0: Hi, I'm Alad Gross. I'm a civil rights attorney, an educator, and a dog owner who's running for Missouri Attorney General. And welcome to the Alad Pod. This week we have Dr. Ken Haller on the podcast. Dr. Haller is a pediatrician who has spent just about his whole career working with folks who are most in need in our healthcare system. We talk about healthcare for kids, about the impact of the coronavirus outbreak, about how this needs to impact our outlook on social justice. And he's also a cabaret singer, so we talk a lot about that too. This was one of the most fun and powerful interviews that we've done on this podcast, so I hope you enjoy.
1: Ken, how are you doing today? I'm doing great a lot. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing I'm doing I'm doing well. Uh, I'm here. Uh, we talked about this right before the uh, pod started. I'm very happy my dog is not causing a ruckus right now. Um, I got <laughs> to meet yours, Mel, Nor which mine. was very exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he comes back into the kitchen, I'll give everyone a, a look at him. But oh, he's, uh, yes. he's gone off elsewhere. So that's great. Now uh, he, is, do, he, is do, his, he is his own know, master. We, well, so this is
0: that's it's good to know uh, because now I know mm-hmm. who to ask to have him submitted for Missouri Furry Friend Friday. It's him. There you go. There I applied directly to Malcolm. <laughs> that's the way it goes.
1: Uh, so he has, folks, his own, he has his own Facebook page. Oh, <laughs> does he really? Oh, that's great. Well, yeah.
0: We'll, uh, yep. we'll, we'll get that. We'll put that in the link and we'll share okay. Facebook page with everybody too. Uh, so everybody who's watching, you know that you sh- I mean live you do know how this works already. If you do have any questions, comments, um, or you want to just tell us you're there, that's also great because I know what to look out for, especially if Jimmy's watching right now. But go ahead you can comment on Periscope. We're live there. We're live on YouTube. And uh, we're live on Facebook, and I'll be monitoring the Facebook for questions and everything else. So go ahead, let us know you're here, comment, share it, we'll be on, uh, we'll be on for a bit. So uh, happy to have you all with us too. So uh, uh, Doc, could you uh, do us all a favor, could you introduce yourself to everybody so they know who you are and why they should trust you, despite me, well, uh, in addition <laughs> to me saying that they should. So
1: I, I vouch for them already. Yeah. If you could. Well, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, I am. Uh, so, my name is Ken Haller. I'm a pediatrician in St. Louis. I am a professor of pediatrics at the St. Louis University School of Medicine, and I'm on uh, staff at Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital in their primary care clinic, Donnie Pediatrics. I'm also a uh, previous uh, president of the board of the Missouri chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, uh, previous. President of the Border Promo, Missouri Statewide LGBT Civil Rights Organization, mm-hmm. and uh, member of and former board member of the Missouri Foundation for Health. Now a member of the board of the Arts and Education Council of Greater St. Louis. So that's the stuff wow. that kind of keeps me busy. I'm also a cabaret singer, and if you go to my if you go to my Facebook page today, mm-hmm. you will see that five years ago today, the St. Louis Post Dispatch named me the best cabaret singer in St. Louis. So hopefully. Mm-hmm. Someday in person, I will be able to <laughs> sing for you on a stage where we can all get together and have a few drinks. That's that and sounds. Here's my, wo- and here's 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 my stethoscope.
0: That's wa- well, wonderful. So you got the stethoscope ready to go. You got the you got the the the, yeah. the, the, the plug. Uh, so you got. So we'll, that's we'll right. put a link. We'll put a link to your uh, to your Facebook page on there too. Um, you know yeah. that's. It's a very, it's a very, you know, why the amount of, you know, especially the, the, the community involvement that you're, you know, I, I always wonder why, like, why, why are you so, I I mean, you know, people ask me this question all the time. Why are you doing, you know, you work with kids, you're doing this law thing, you're running for all these different things. Um, so, you know, I'm always curious, what's your answer to that? Why, why are you doing so much?
1: Well, I think that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I had a misspent youth. I'm a product of Jesuit education. So <laughs> I went to Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, which is another fine Jesuit institution like St. Louis University, and I kind of took that whole men and women for others to heart. Uh, my mentor there was a Jesuit named Joseph Brown, who was originally from East St. Louis. He's one of only about a dozen African-American men in the Jesuit order. And um, so when it came time to go into practice— I said, Joseph, I really want to work in an inner city. And he said, well, if you want an inner city, there's no city more inner than East St. Louis. So I moved here and yeah. I worked in East St. Louis for 10 years. But as time went on, I also started to realize that healing is more than, it's about more than a stethoscope. Yeah. it uh, It's about uh, making, you know, it's about creating a society where that is healthy for, for kids. That's healthy for everybody, where people are not marginalized. If If we want to be healthy, we have to create that society. And, and art, I feel, I feel very strongly that art is also one of the most important routes to healing. Creating art, experiencing art, being an artist is a way that we can heal the world. So for me, my very, um, my very broad mission is healing in whatever way I can do that, whether it's through medicine or advocacy or, uh, or writing and performing. Yeah. So it's. Uh, I think it's what Tikkun t- t- is. Uh, you know about healing the world. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. T- uh, tikkun Olam. Yeah. That's exactly right.
1: Tikkun Olam. Yes. Yeah. Oh, um,
0: well, that's great. Yeah. Uh, my wife would greatly appreciate that. I think she might be now. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, and that's pretty good for a, for an Irish Catholic boy. Yeah. It's, that's that's
0: great. Yeah. No. I'm I'm feeling. It. Thank you. Yeah. That's that's good outreach. Yeah. Um, so you you know I I think. Yeah, it's interesting because there's a lot of parallels to how you're describing, um, you know, your job to at least what I've seen in education. I think um, because you know so much of of working with kids and you know, seeing what they're going through. I mean, you do you do pediatrics um, is trying to find you know what what really inspires folks. Um, right. And oftentimes, you know, if you find that connection through art through, you know, something, something that often, unfortunately, we really don't invest in very much in, in many of our spaces. Um, oftentimes that can be the best way to connect with somebody and it, it
1: unleashes so much mm-hmm. more potential than you would expect. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's one of the things that, uh, in, in, uh, I mean, honestly, when I was, uh, when I was younger, I thought about being a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I also realized that doctors get paid better. <laughs> So, I mean, frankly, i yeah, got to be honest, but I also find myself as a teacher. Every day I'm teaching right. parents, I'm teaching kids at St. Louis University School of Medicine, I'm teaching residents and students how to be doctors. Um, and I, I try to be a, a teacher in every aspect of what I do, but but so much of that really is about art. I actually mm-hmm. teach a course, a an elective course at St. Louis University School of Medicine for first-year medical students called Acting Like a Doctor. And it's six three-hour seminars using the uh, principles of improvisational theater to be a more mindful, empathetic physician Mm -hmm. uh, about using the concept of yes and when we're talking to our patients. So that, for example, if I have someone who says they don't want to vaccinate their kids, instead of, you know, I mean, my little thought balloon is, oh, for God's sake, here we go again. Uh But instead what I say is I try to put myself in their shoes and I say, tell me what you're scared of tell me what you've heard. Right. I see how much you love your kid. Tell me what it is that you're concerned about. Let's talk about that. And that's how we can begin to get to a place of getting to yes for everybody. And and that is art. That is art. That is performance. That is being aware of the role we are playing in that moment and fully inhabiting that role. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that, you know, empathy that goes so
0: far, you know, because it's you know, in a lot of in – just in the space that I'm in right now where I'm running for office mm-hmm. and folks who just come on, you know, Facebook or Twitter or something and have a lot to say. Um, you know, I've, I've always <laughs> – Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Quite a bit. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, so a lot of yeah. folks are like, hey, you know, beware of the trolls. Don't feed the trolls and everything. But oftentimes it's, yeah. it's folks who are – I mean some of them are not real. They're, they're just fake accounts or whatever. But a lot of times it's mm-hmm. folks who need – to to that acknowledgement and that understanding and they want somebody to be there. Right. You know, I have found that just by doing exactly what you're talking about, just by interacting with folks and being respectful about and having empathy uh, and assuming good intentions too, I think is so important that it really gets you to a better place. And I think it, you know, it helps you come to a better conclusion than if you didn't act that way in the first place.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, 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 I write a lot of long things on Facebook yes. <laughs> and uh, I do and do I too. generally I generally get positive stuff but sometimes I'll have someone who counters me and I, and I will mm-hmm. say that that's kind of thing that makes me think oh okay well what if let me think about that let me let me take that in um, and sometimes I have been able to engage with people and we get to a place where we there's some things we can't agree on or it, forces me to uh, look at some of my assumptions and maybe question some of them and come up with a more nuanced answer to that. Um, uh, again, getting back to your original point, I think that when it comes to education, arts education is really crucial. And mm-hmm. I think that if we're going to make people who are going to be truly effective as doctors or as lawyers or as whatever profession we're in, uh, having that having a training in art very early is, is really key to making us uh, the best professionals, the most caring and empathetic and mindful professionals we can be right right
0: yeah no I, I totally agree I think one of the unfortunately well there's a couple of things one art is so important I, I'll, I'll be honest with you so I've been teaching for over 13 years now and at the beginning you know I was like oh well you know they got to learn math and reading and, and that's that's what's important and that's you know but but you lose so much of that the more you know I was working with kids and especially in a classroom environment where um, you know, increasingly over those years, I became the authority figure. Um, <laughs> and there was there's that like right like this. So I would always wear a tie because otherwise they just think I was one of them. Uh, but the, the problem, the problem is, um, you know, I, I think you really it's basically like denying somebody part of their brain function. And and when they they they're very much like craving that the ability to be creative and i think that right. we, we really lose so much of that human aspect when we're we're not thinking about you know art in just the different ways of expression that's why we call it expression it's a different way of, of communicating and and understanding the world mm-hmm. it's, it's so important and you know i think that i think that we're seeing what, what you just said was was i mean even in legal education field i think we we graduate so many folks who think well? I know the law, or I know medicine. I know how to, you know, put X X goes with Y to make Z. But they don't know how right. to communicate that very effectively to the people that we're supposed to be working with. Which, to me, seems like and has been in my experience, probably the most important part of the job. Um, especially if you mm-hmm. want folks to to go along with, you know, the treatment that or the recommendations that you've got, because you're trying to serve them as best as you
1: can. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a, it's a great point. So, so, you know, right now, um, in, in the world of healthcare and medicine and everything else, uh, obviously we're dealing with a, a pandemic and a, a huge outbreak and, uh, Missouri, you know, you've got folks on one side and the other, and now we're talking about reopening everything. Um, what, what have you, I guess, what, what have you been seeing? Have you been, uh, very involved in, Um, you know, treating all this stuff or, or, or seeing like different, I guess, different things happening where you're working? Uh, has this changed anything for you? I mean, I'm sure it's changed something, but what,
1: what, what been the impact of all of this? Well, from a pediatric standpoint, there has been a, um, I mean, the thing is that, that kids luckily, uh, I think in many ways do not get very sick from this virus. If they do get sick, a lot of times we don't even know it. Mm-hmm. So we have seen very few cases of a coronavirus, of COVID-19, in kids that have actually been diagnosed. One of the things we've done in our clinic at Cardinal Glennon, we have two separate spaces, two geographically separate spaces, one at the hospital for our clinic and one at a street front clinic on Forest Park Boulevard near Sarah. It's a block from the Ikea store. Mm-hmm. And so what we've done is we've separated those two into a well clinic the storefront clinic is a well clinic and the one at Cardinal Glennon is now the sick kid clinic. So if kids are sick, they will come to Cardinal Glennon and be seen there. Uh, But if they have no symptoms and they're coming in for their well checkups, they come to our storefront clinic. Um, We, uh, the numbers frankly are way down. We're not seeing nearly as many patients because I think quite, quite prudently a lot of people are feeling like I don't want to go someplace where, where someone might be sick. Right. Uh, what we have been doing is, uh, that, but even with that, even when the well baby clinics, we're all wearing masks, uh, we're, uh, we're being, you know, as compulsive as ever, if not more about hand hygiene, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, what we're looking at is a, <clears throat> is what's called a surge plan and in, in case things get really bad here in St. Louis. So for example, at Cardinal Glennon, If things get really bad across the street at St. Louis University Hospital, then we will be taking some adult patients over to Cardinal Glennon, uh, primarily non-COVID patients, but we will be caring for adult patients there if we have to. It hasn't Mm -hmm. come to that, but it might. And uh, same thing with St. Mary's, which is part of the SSM system. Um, If things get really bad there, a lot of the babies in the neonatal intensive care unit at that hospital will be moved over to Cardinal Glennon so that respirators in the neonatal intensive care unit can be used for COVID-19 patients. So right now, a lot of this is watchful waiting. But I will have to say that the fact that um, that both the city and the county went to stay-at-home orders fairly early has so far served us pretty well. And from the situation reports we're getting, uh, not just at SSM, but in at BJC and Mercy and, and St. Luke's, it does seem that we are reaching perhaps a plateau, yeah. uh, and that uh, if this continues, <clears throat> we will be starting on a downward trend. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, that does not mean we can open up right away. Uh, if anyone has, you know, heard of the um, the 1918 Denver double hump mm-hmm. uh, flu pandemic, uh, they opened up up too early in 1918 during the flu pandemic, and their curve went kind of like this. And then it went like this, and it was much worse. Right. So I think we're in a place now where we're doing as well as we can, and I hope that we can continue this and people can uh, can stay strong and that we can support each other in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I, I am very lucky that I have a job and I have a place to go to, although, I mean, it's someplace that I have to be careful of because… I am over sixty-five. I know I don't look it. Uh, <laughs> you don't. Only, you don't. Oh, thank you, thank you. I am <laughs> in kind of a risk group, but I, I we have to we all have to be careful. But I, I know there are a lot of people who are suffering because they 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 don't have work. They are having trouble meeting their rent and getting food and things like that. And the only way we're going to get through this is if we support each other in this, mm-hmm. and if we advocate going further for uh, you know for care for all for. Uh, to to make sure that there is a guaranteed minimum income for people so that if these things do happen, people are not going to have to worry in ways like this, not just about getting a disease, but about just being able to eat. Right. 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 Um,
0: What do you think, you know, uh, looking at just kind of the differences in, in, you know, some of even the practices right now that you're describing, um, but also thinking about what this virus has really exposed in yeah. American healthcare <clears throat> and really American society. Um, what do you think? You know, going forward, once this is done, um, what do you think there will be a lasting change in in healthcare um, or like big pushes as a result of this, where, where there may, might be more consensus than there was before?
1: I well, let's put it this way. I hope so, and I think it's something that we all have to uh, we have to push for. Honestly, you know, as as uh, the Democratic um, nominating process was going on and the debates were going on, Mm -hmm. um, I've always been a proponent of a uh, of a federal guaranteed health system. You know, I mean, what's sometimes called Medicare for all. Uh, However, I. Did really wonder if it was practical because mm. there are so many people who have insurance that they're reasonably happy with uh, that has done well for them because they have a good job and they have all of this stuff that yeah. it seemed like it would be impractical to push for that because so many people would not want that. Mm hmm. And, and so what I, you know, I thought was a, a more appropriate way of going about this was making sure that uh, the Affordable Care Act was improved, that there would be a Medicare for those who want it. And that over time, as this all went out to the marketplace and people with Medicare, um, you know, at any age, when people with private health care would see what they're going to what they could actually get through this federalized yeah. system, they would start start to push for that. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to acceler- accelerate that process so much. Uh, and I think that yeah. once, you know, because I, I think what's going to happen is that as this crisis goes on, as people lose their jobs, as people lose their health care, and then they get sick, more and more people are going to find that the insurance companies are frankly kind of screwing them over mm-hmm. and that they, that they need to get, they need to know that if I get sick, if something happens to me, I am not going to be devastated by this. I'm not going to lose my house. I'm not going to lose my savings. I'm not going to lose my 401K because I don't have health care. And I, I think that this is the kind of thing where we can we can look at this and say, once this is over, we cannot let this happen again. Everyone has to be guaranteed health care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because Missouri – Is one of the few states that hasn't expanded Medicaid uh, at this point. Yeah, yeah, Uh, I'm aware of that. What are your thoughts about? Yeah, I'm sure you are. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Uh, Missouri has, in in many ways, uh, allowed itself to be ill prepared for such such an eventuality as this. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways is by. is by not accepting medicaid expansion and this has been incredibly frustrating for every one of us who is in healthcare mm-hmm. as well as for as well for the hundreds of thousands of people who could and should have this if nothing else what it has done it has caused a number of rural health uh, rural hospitals and clinics to close because they, they they simply don't have the support and now if people in those communities get sick and they need to be hospitalized because of covid-19 mm-hmm. They're not going to be able to get it. For years, we have known that people are dying in this state because uh, because Missouri did not accept Medicaid expansion, and this is only going to make it worse. Mm-hmm. I really, I, I I know that there's a uh, um, a push to get this on the on the ballot in November, and mm-hmm. I certainly hope that succeeds. And I certainly, am going to advocate for that. I would also hope, and it, I, it may be a vain hope, but. If there are special sessions coming up this summer, that that perhaps there might be a push to get it happening. Right. Uh, I, I to get that happening before there's a vote because we can't afford to let people more people die of this.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think you're totally right. It's not. Um, You know, having traveled before the virus, having traveled all over the state quite a bit, um, I was, I remember being in uh, Nevada and there was a doctor Uh who was presenting um, because their hospital um, wasn't doing too well and they needed to to have it funded. So he was pushing for a local tax increase um, to to fund it. And somebody asked, well, would Medicaid expansion have helped? And his answer was yes. yes. And he's a Republican. You know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, Matter like whether you're Republican or Democrat or nothing or whatever you are, uh, disease doesn't wait, doesn't check it, just check your membership card before it does something, right? And uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that uh, you know, so many studies have come out, and there was some recent ones from Wash U not, not too long ago at all that came out and said that the state of Missouri, um, you know, had a bunch of different types of estimates, but uh, in all likelihood, would save quite a bit of money. Uh, Expanding Medicaid, and right now we're leaving money that's we're paying for. We're already paying for it in tax money. We're just sending it to different states, and we're not we're not doing it. And we're leaving so many folks without access to affordable care. Um, I mean, you're exactly right. We've we've
1: right. left our state in such a vulnerable place, um, and here we yeah. Are. The, oh, I, I I I agree. There 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 are so many people have had to quit work mm-hmm. because they have health conditions that won't allow them to work, right. that could have been cared for if they had Medicaid, would allow them to work and become taxpayers. Right. This is how the system gets paid for. Missouri has sent billions of dollars to the federal government that has gone to other states because we have not accepted Medicaid expansion. Mm-hmm. It has been incredibly short-sighted on the part of uh, And I have to say it, Republican legislators, because they're the ones who Mm -hmm. keep voting this down, to not accept this and to block this. Uh, And we are going to pay, we have paid a price for it, and we're going to continue to pay a price for it. I will say that as a pediatrician for a long time, Missouri has been fairly good about paying for for care for children. Mm -hmm. But as we know, in the past year, 100,000 kids have been dropped from Medicaid rolls because of the terrible job that the department has done getting people re-enrolled right. so no one is safe from this people are just, people are are sick and they're dying because they don't have health care coverage And it's it is unethical. It is immoral. We have to get this. We have to get this moving.
0: Right. Right. Yes. And you're totally right. And I'll go a little bit of a step further. But the legislator after after the one hundred thousand kids were kicked off of Medicaid, um, because basically what happened, they they had this electronic system uh, and they updated. They didn't really check it, apparently, because just started kicking people off who were eligible for for health care. Um, and, and the response was, well, look, we're saving the state money. It's like, no, you're not like you're hurting, you're hurting the most vulnerable families. And if you can't access healthcare, we're all in trouble. And then finally, finally, after, after, after weeks and weeks of this, finally, the legislature uh, accepted, I, I should say again, it was the Republican side of it. Unfortunately, it was a very partisan issue and that they finally accepted that. Oh yeah, we made a mistake. Um, but you mm-hmm. know what? Uh, it's not our responsibility to fix that. The parents should have fought harder to get their kids re-enrolled. And, I mean, it's yeah. so frustrating to see that that's yeah.
1: the attitude, right? So the uh, so if, if I, I haven't said this already, and I do need to say this, mm-hmm. uh, for purposes of this podcast, right. <laughs> I'm speaking yes. as Ken Haller, Ken Haller citizen right. and not as a representative of any of the organizations right. I have – I, I have been affiliated with or I'm affiliated with. The reason I say that is because in my professional role in all of these organizations, mm-hmm. I have always been nonpartisan. Yeah. I am happy to accept good ideas from any legislator or any executive or any policymaker. The problem is that the policies and the proposals that come from the Republican side of the aisle, are almost invariably the ones that have mm-hmm. hurt kids. And frankly, when the governor of this state, when he in his State of the State address talked about how wonderful it was that we were saving money by kicking all these people yeah. off of Medicaid rolls, it is one of the few times yeah. that I have said on Facebook, what the hell is the matter with you? Yeah. Um, it was just, just too much. To, to, to hear that this 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 incredible bureaucratic snafu was being lauded as a way to save the kids right. to, to, to to save the state money on the backs of sick children. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I I mean I'm I'm very much with you. I'm not a big party partisan guy. I think that there are wonderful ideas from all over the place. But the problem is, especially in Missouri right now, it is so frustrating because you know, we're, we're a governmental system of checks and balances, and part of those checks right. and balances is also, you know, over time, these parties developed, and, you know, we've got a two-party system, for better or for worse, in Missouri, for the most part, and uh, in America, and uh, when you have that system, but you have your your local government, which has so much control that people really don't realize, because we always look at national politics, because they got the biggest cameras, but... Uh, We don't – they have so much power. And when when that power is so concentrated in one party and there is no accountability, there are no checks Uh on that, you get some really bad policy. You know, One thing that I've been talking a lot about on this campaign is this dark money stuff. And for those of you who haven't listened, you should definitely check out the website. But dark money, it's this anonymous campaign contributions. We don't know where it's coming from, but it's interesting because that money – always follows the party that's in power because people know who to invest in and mm-hmm. I think that's why you you often see in like states where it's heavily democratic or state that's heavily Republican you often see these policies getting pushed that are just not great for people because folks who have a lot more power than either one of us uh, uh, and a lot more money than either one of us they they know those are the people and they can push things through and it's just so sad to see, uh, whether you're Republican or Democrat or, or, nothing. Um, it just, it's, it's such a broken system right now and it, it's frustrating. And so, yeah, I don't, I'm like you, I really don't like calling out one party or another just because it's that party. But I mean, that's the pattern we're seeing in Missouri because it's so slanted one way and there is no balance right now.
1: Right. Yeah, right. So. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, uh, we haven't had a few questions um, one okay. of them has come in, uh, through Twitter. Let's see. Let's. See. I'm going to try to do this thing again. I think I can bring it into <laughs> the broadcast. I'm really excited. I got all these toys and everything over here. All right. So I added on, it's an overlay. Okay. Uh, is there a concern that kids will fall behind on immunization schedules and we will see other epidemics? What do you think about that?
1: That is a real, real concern at this point. So I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, one of the things that, um, in fact, there was uh, there was an article in the New York Times the other day, looking at the uh, fact that there has been such a dramatic fall in immunization rates, particularly in kids under two years of age, that we are looking at the possibility of epidemics of things like pertussis and measles going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, vaccines, as you know, I, we all know, are incredibly important. They have saved millions of lives. And getting vaccines, uh, there are a series of vaccines that are given between two, two months and 18 months of age. Uh, there are also vaccines that are given at four years of age, 11 years of age, and so forth. Those can wait a month, two months, whatever. But these that are that occur in the first year of life for things like uh, pertussis, uh, for some, what's called pneumococcus, which causes infection of the brain and spinal cord called meningitis, Mm -hmm. Um, of Haemophilus, which does the same thing, these really need to be done on time. Uh, The Missouri chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics has put out a a very strong statement. In fact, nationally, the American Academy of Pediatrics has put out a statement on the importance of getting these vaccines done and getting these visits done. I know that every office that uh, is in our network uh, of the Missouri chapter, the American Academy of Pediatrics, takes everything very seriously that when we see patients, uh, when you call for an appointment, there'll be a series of questions. What, are you, what sort of appointment do you want? What's the status of your child? Is this a well child visit? Does your child having any symptoms? Every office is doing what they can to separate out sick kids from well kids and getting kids in and out as quickly as possible to get those vaccines. The last thing we need on top of this is having a, a, an epidemic of whooping cough. And yeah. unfortunately, that is something that's still out there. So, thank you for asking that. Call your pediatrician's office, get your appointment set up if your kid is under two years of age, and uh, and we will do everything we can to keep everyone safe.
0: Yeah, great. Okay, good. That's that was a good question. Glad I think I think that might have been my mom who put that one out there. On <laughs> All right, <laughs> she does a lot of work. Thanks, mom. Healthcare. So good job, Bob. Uh, yeah, let's see. Hold up. I had a question over on Facebook, too. I'm pivoting from one to the other. This is great. Um, yeah, I think, I think we talked a bit about this, but I do wonder if there was anything that maybe you were seeing specifically before. Um, so a question from Lexi is, can you speak to how heightened public awareness of health and wealth disparities could translate into an opportunity for legislative or policy change? How do we push back on business as usual?
1: I think that's a really good question. We talked about this a little bit, but I think yeah. that this can go beyond. Uh, I mean, getting, getting health care for all, I think, is, is really important. This is the sort of thing where there are organizations in the state like uh, Missouri Missouri Healthcare for All. Mm-hmm. I would look them up. They are doing a lot of work on this very subject. Um, uh, getting involved with them, uh, if, if you are. Uh, uh, but beyond that, I think that, that health and wealth disparities, um, one of the things that we that has become a real issue is the idea that yeah, that you know was brought up during the uh, uh, during the primaries about a guaranteed minimum income. Why mm-hmm. should we? Why should people have to? You know, I, honestly, this is and this is one of the things that drives me crazy. Um, I take care of people from poor communities. I have never had someone come into my office in 30 plus years of experience. Who is just happy to sit at home and get their welfare check and live off the state. Mm-hmm. Everyone who comes into my office who has kids is working one or two or three jobs. Yeah, Most of them for minimum wage. They have to take buses all over the place. They are scrambling to get health care for their kids and get daycare for their kids and get their kids to school. Honestly, if I were living in circumstances like that, I don't think I could make it. Mm-hmm. People deserve Everyone deserves to have a place to live. Everyone deserves to not go to bed hungry. Everyone deserves to get health care. If we can provide that minimum for everyone, then people will be incentivized to, to go beyond that, to get work that they find more meaningful. This is this is what human beings do. This is why we do this stuff. And this is what is so tough about this particular point in our history is that people are feeling like I'm sitting at home. I'm not doing anything. What can I do to make the world better? That's what I see out there is this existential angst about that. People don't like to be idle. And so if we can make sure that people don't have to worry about, about these basic necessities of life, then people are going to— be able to go beyond that to do better work. They will be able to contribute more to society. They'll be able to pay more taxes. We'll be able to fix our infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So the question is, how do we do that? I think the most important thing is, first of all, vote, 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 vote. Anytime you can vote, (laughs) go ahead and vote. Encourage other people to vote, discuss issues with people, discuss why this is important to you, and get involved in advocacy organizations around these things. Like I said in Missouri, Missouri Healthcare for All is a great organization to get involved with. Uh, and there are various others you just have to google and you'll find them, but thank you for asking that question.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I 100% agree. Uh, Ken, when are you running for office?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, between between medicine and my cabaret career, I'm pretty yeah. busy right now. I prefer to be a gadfly on the outside telling what the politicians what to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fair. I mean, you're pretty good at it. So uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I wonder, could you, you know, this is kind of fun because I don't know how many cabaret singers I'll get to interview on the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. could you tell me like what, what is the cabaret scene like? Is it, is it, is there a big one in St. Louis or are you traveling a lot to other places?
1: There, there, well, I have traveled. I've been lucky enough to do shows in New York and San Francisco and Chicago and <laughs> stuff, but there is a, there is, There was a pretty big cabaret scene here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was one of the owners of a really nice place called the Blue Strawberry, on, which was on Boyle, just north of Lindell. Uh, it was a cabaret room. And I, I say was, it is, because it will open again. But we were up and running for about six months, and we had, uh, we had, you know, a uh, uh, brilliant— People from New York and Los Angeles and from here, I did about three or four shows there. We had a great, uh, you know, great chef. But Cabaret basically is the art of telling, telling stories through song. So mm-hmm. when I do a show, I, um, I do uh, basically I figure what, what story do I want to tell? I find songs that illustrate that and I have stories that I weave into it. The last show, the last show that appeared at the Blue Strawberry uh, was my show called the Medicine Show, which is my sort of my own uh, story about why I became a doctor, but how over time I learned that being a doctor is not the same thing as being a healer. Hmm. Um, if you like, I did do the show in New York in January, and I got a really good video of it. I can send you the link to it, and you can oh, put it on your yeah, put it up so people can see it. Uh, but that's what cabaret, but that's what cabaret is about is about uh, it's not so much. Believe me, I'm not a great singer, <laughs> uh, but I I can connect to the lyrics of a song. And if a song has lyrics that touch me and I can show the audience how much it touches me, then it touches them. Yeah. So so that's and, and we do have a really big cabaret scene because actually St. Louis is the home to the largest professional cabaret a training program in the country, the St. Louis Cabaret Conference, which huh. takes place in July of every year. Right now, it is still planning on going on because it's small enough that there can be social distancing. But um, they uh, they bring in people from a, you know nationally known artists like Faith Prince and Marilyn May and. Jason Grahn, people like that who are, are just amazing teachers and performers and things like that. So That's when great. these people come to town, they're like, it's amazing. Cabaret is such a big deal in St. Louis. And I'm like,
0: I know. It's so cool. <laughs> That's great. That's really
1: cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, well, let me see. Let me check to see if there's any other questions because I think we might move on to our game. This is great. I really appreciate <laughs> that. It's of fun. been a lot of fun. Yeah. this is This is great. We even had a stethoscope going.
1: Malcolm got in. I heard him
0: barking in the background. He did a great job. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah. Good I deep. think
1: the mail came. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Let he me. Always, know. He always barks at the letter carrier. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's fun. Yeah, mine. Uh, who knows what he tries to do, to the mailman? But thank God, there's a window there <laughs> made out of plastic. Now, yep. all right, we're going to play. We're going to play a game. Uh, this one is called uh, Fact or Fiction. All right. Uh, so what I'm going to do is, and we'll start with one, kind of as an example, a little bit. But this is the cover of a book, and you know how you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover. Well, today, we're going to be judging a book by its cover. Several of them. So, folks, if you'd like to play okay. along, you can go ahead and comment in there, too, and we'll see what you got so you can guess around with us. Uh, this is the cover of a book, and I have used a piece of paper. Can you see it Okay. Moving it up a little bit closer. Can you see it? I
1: think I can. Yeah. New York yeah? Times bestseller. Yes.
0: Yes. Okay, good. So you see that. So I've covered up this this white piece of paper right here. It does not come with the book. Okay. It's all recycled paper. Don't worry. I have affixed this onto the cover of the book. And so mm-hmm. your guess is not, unless you want bonus points, if you know what the book is, that's great. But the question is, is this book based on the cover fact or fiction? Fiction or nonfiction? That's the categories today. Fiction or nonfiction?
1: Hmm. Yeah. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Oh, hi.
0: You Google imaging it right now.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Right, I, uh, nonfiction. you want me to answer? Oh, please. Yeah. Well, let's see. Let's see. Yeah. Go I would ahead. say, no, I, have I, to would say, say I would You're say, the guest today, I would say, I would say, I would say, I would say that's fact. You're going to say that this is fact. fact. All right. So I would say that's yeah, fact. Is- I, Nonfiction. Uh, I, I'm saying it's nonfiction. I think it's something about the environment. Oh, the environment. Oh,
0: okay. Because
1: there seem to be like little twigs and trees yes. and leaves and things.
0: That's true. Very true. Okay. Environmental yeah. nonfiction. This book yes. is ready for the reveal. So if you're guessing at home, guess all the yeah. If you're watching on the replay, too bad for you. You are correct. This book is all right. nonfiction. It is just mercy. It is not so much about the environment. It's oh. actually about oh. – uh, Yes, our justice system and some issues there. Yes. Brian Stevenson is a wonderful, uh, wonderful attorney who's done some wonderful work and this book is fantastic. I actually read it while I was an assistant attorney general during one of my awesome. trainings somewhat early on. And I was in you know, I was in Jefferson City doing the trainings, I was in a hotel room, and I literally read it in the entire like I couldn't go to sleep between trainings,
1: and so I wasn't great the next day, but that's wow. Really I, I haven't read the book, but I have seen the movie. The movie is really good. I haven't seen the movie, uh, so Ma- that's good to know. Yeah. Michael, Michael B. Jordan and uh, yeah. Jamie Foxx. Really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Michael B. I will have to read the book. you also watch the movie. We uh, can We'll we can do it. Yeah. We'll
0: compare. Yeah. We'll get you back on. We'll
1: compare. <laughs> that's good. Uh,
0: let's okay. see. We're going to do a couple more. All right. Oh, maybe three more. We might do three more. Okay. This one's tough. I'm not going to do that. That's a great book. I can I can refer it later. All right. Here we go. <laughs> got this book here. All right. Oh wow. Okay. We've got some purple going on.
1: Okay. I'll clock. give people a second a second or two to answer, and then I will come up with my answer. Okay. All right. I'm trying to hide. I should hide the, right. the the, the side of it. So. All right,
0: folks. If you got any answers out there. Okay. Okay. Oh, we got Lexi. Lexi says you've got to see Just Mercy. So she agrees with you on the movie. I've got to see it. Uh, yeah. Is, uh, is I'm it saying. Funny? I'm
1: saying it. I'm. 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 saying it's fiction. I think it's a. I think it's a book about time travel. Oh, a time travel book. Time I,
0: travel fiction. All right. Final answer. I,
1: I have a. I have a love hate relationship with time travel. <laughs> I love the idea. Okay. But the execution usually is like,
0: no, that's not how it would work. Very true. Yeah. There there are some places that do it well. It's very tough to do.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Are you a Star Trek as, fan? As, oh, yes. Captain yeah. Janeway once said on Voyager, uh-huh. uh, time travel, the past is the present, the present is the past. It just gives me a headache. <laughs> that's, my, that's my Catherine Janeway impression.
0: Especially <laughs> on Star Trek. I think that's very true. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I just... I mean I love like slingshotting yourself around the sun to go back in time and save some Oh money. yeah. Great movie by the way. Oh, that's that's yeah. 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 All right, let's do the big reveal. This is uh, Kurt Vonnegut's Player Piano. play your piano. Oh, the future. All right. So very true. Yes. There you go. It's set in the okay. future. <laughs> still, I think So far in 2 the for 2. Of this day, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember mm-hmm. what year this thing is set in. It says at the beginning 1952. Never mind.
1: (laughs) It wasn't even before I was born. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, it's a whole different. This is a great, great uh, conversation about society and the (laughs) and the the function of it, and what happens when we have robots running the whole world. So, all right,
1: that's right.
0: Yes. Okay. Now
1: now we have West. We have Westworld for that. Westworld for that. Yes, we have Westworld for that. (laughs) All right, you've just...
0: Oh, by the way, before I go to the next one, I'll put this one on the screen, too. You just got you just got a blessings for quoting Captain Janeway. So congratulations for doing All right. It Twitter. The Twitter people love it. <laughs> they love it. Okay, here we go. So this is going to be our final one. All right? Okay. For all the marbles right here. Okay, so we've got this lovely book here. Okay? It's got some print mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Nice yeah. print.
0: Very nice print mm. around for everybody... Just taking a look and playing around with us. So the question is fact or fiction?
1: Well, it's published by Penguin. Mm-hmm. Left so – Yeah. So I'm thinking I'm thinking fiction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Finally. Maybe uh, – it seems a little skinny for Proust, but I'll uh, – <laughs> But uh, I'm, I'm saying fiction. I'm saying fiction.
0: I'm saying fiction. Go on fiction. All right. Fiction. Fiction. All right. Guessing at home, everybody. Time to guess, because we're doing the big reveal. This is actually a French phrase book. French phrase book. Wow. Yeah. I'm wow. not really sure what of, okay. I guess, reference. Sacre maybe. bleu. <laughs> Mon dieu. I, I will give a shout out, since we were conversing about it so much. Merelde. There was one book here, and this is going to be, this is so stupid. This is only white, so the whole cover <laughs> is just white. I don't know what you would do with this thing. But it's a wonderful, excellent book. It talks a lot about uh, uh, philosophy and, and where we should go and how to really consider these tough questions. It is called Justice by Michael Sandel, who's a professor at Harvard. Um, and oh, okay. This is really great. If you fell asleep during all those philosophy classes, you couldn't stand uh, Proust at all and did all this other stuff. He goes over all of these and really talks about the different ways that we all, especially as Americans, look at different issues. And, uh Really great book. I've given this book away at least four or five times so far. So it's called Justice and a great read, especially for now. So Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, that was a fun game. I think we had we had some folks who were participating. and uh, All right. Yeah, some folks actually they had some guesses out there too. So this is great. And now I have to see Just Mercy and you've got to read it. So. Uh, I do. I do. Great. Well, uh, doc, I've, I've appreciated you being on here. Do you have any p- parting thoughts or parting words or words of wisdom for the, the people out there watching?
1: Uh, I would say that this is just, uh, well, as, as a gay man of my age, um, uh, this is bringing back a lot of memories of the beginnings of the AIDS crisis. Mm, mm-hmm. It's there are a lot of ways in which it's like it, a ways in which it's not like it. Uh, but I will say that that is the period of my life that formed me both personally and professionally. Yeah. Uh, it is something that I will always carry in my heart, all the people I lost and all the advocacy I did. And I would say that, uh, At this point, uh, this is an opportunity for us to look into our hearts and see who we want to be when we come out of it. What do we want to tell future generations about the great pandemic of 2020 and what we did Mm -hmm. and how we were there for each other? So I I hope that everyone, I would wish everyone uh, stay strong, stay safe, stay healthy and be yourself. Thank you, thank you. Well, yeah,
0: that's a it's a great way to end the pod. So, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh,
1: thank you. Appreciate thank you. all
0: the work that you you are doing and that you have done, and the wonderful words you've had today. So, uh, thanks for for everything. Um, Always a pleasure. Yeah. Well, folks, that's that's the allowed pod for this week. Uh, I promised you some news, so I'll put some stuff up for you so you can see. Um, In just a little bit today, actually, we will be holding a text party. It's another one that we've done uh, for the campaign, and it's a way that we have really uh, been able to share resources with people throughout the state, uh, get folks involved, let them know about the different issues that we're all facing, not only in the Attorney General's office, but really all over. Um, So, uh, really, you can get on. Uh, if you've never done this before, it's a great opportunity to do it. We're all in a room together. we all talk about it because you can do that while you're texting. and it's a really great way to bond with each other and see the issues that folks are dealing with, a lot of them like the ones we've talked about today. Um, and so if you'd like to register for that, we'll start at three o'clock today. If you can't make it quite at three, you can only make it for a little bit, that's fine too. You can go ahead, go to the website, register, click the gold button. It's lotgross.org. Um, and go ahead and click right there, and we'll have these on a regular basis, too. Um, So we'd love to have you. Uh, We also uh, announced something very special. This is pretty exciting. As uh, some of you know, um, I'm a big Parks and Rec fan, as are the rest of the team and so many people who are involved in this campaign. And so Parks and Rec is doing a reunion show, and it will be on Thursday, they're doing a socially distanced show, uh, so they're going to be doing that live on, uh, I don't know if it's live, but, but they'll be doing it. They'll be airing it on Thursday, um, and so at 7 o'clock, we're going to be holding a virtual costume party, uh, and uh, that will go through the show. The show starts at 7.30. You can register for that, too, online just to make sure that nobody's Zoom bombing is pretty much the idea here. So everybody's welcome. Bring a costume. Uh, If you can't stream it for some reason, but you can only listen, we'll have you call in. No problems. You'll just have to describe your costume for all of us, and uh, we'll do a live watch show. So that should be a fun opportunity, too. Um, So, folks, thank you all so much for watching. Thank you all so much for being here. If there's ever anything you need, please let me know, and we're happy to help. So, Remember, you can go and check us out on the website anytime at alladgross.org. We're all over social media, all the freaking time, so you can find us. And uh, everybody, please stay safe, and we'll see you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to check us out at alladgross.org, where you can connect with us on social media. Send me an email. Send me any questions or ideas you've got for the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. We will see you next week on the Allot Pod.